The views and opinions expressed on this podcast are for informational purposes only and solely those of the podcast participants, contributors, and guests, and do not constitute an endorsement by or necessarily represent the views of the Hartford or its affiliates. You're listening to the Small Biz Ahead podcast, brought to you by the Hartford. Welcome back to another edition of the Small Biz Ahead podcast. Today we have a special guest, and we're going to be talking about a special topic that's been in the news a lot lately. Our special guest today is Paul Quintero. He is the CEO of Axion, headquartered in New York. And Paul, tell us a little bit about what Axion does, and then we're going to introduce our topic for the day. Yes, Axion is a nonprofit loan fund created to provide access to capital and business support for business owners that can't access funds from traditional sources. So for a little over 25 years, I'd like to say we help fulfill big entrepreneurial dreams through small loans, particularly uh, early stage businesses, credit challenge businesses, the plurality of business owners out there today. So what we're going to be talking about today is disaster recovery. And Gene, this is something that we've seen in the news a lot, unfortunately, this past year. We've had several major storms. We've seen some small business owners um, lose their businesses, unfortunately, have their property severely damaged. We've also seen some business owners kind of rise to the occasion and get a lot of really great PR about what they, how they've reacted to the storm and how much they've gone out of their way to help their communities. Paul, it's a really great to speak with you. And before we even get into the whole, you know, surviving a disaster and all of that, I'm a huge fan of Axion. And you guys, just to make sure I, I also understand, I thought, you know, one of the real sort of unique things that your company does is you really handhold um, businesses through getting, I met one of your customers just a few months ago that was looking to um, expand his business. He had like a food truck and he was looking to expand his business into an actual like restaurant restaurant. And he was working with you guys and you guys were not only not only helped him with financing, but actually helped him to find tables and chairs and equipment and get good deals on things that he needed to spend his money in the right way. Is that that's that's the kind of stuff that you guys do, right? That's exactly right. The mission, our mission statement talks about access to capital, but people always forget and business support. I always try to remind people that money doesn't console, comfort or advise. People do. People are at the heart of what we do, and, and that direct one-on-one relationship is key. And I think the other part that you, you were kind of alluding to is that uh, what makes us different as a mission-oriented organization is that we're not in this for a transaction. Right. We're in this for the transformation. We succeed if the business owner succeeds, and I think that's a, that's a really big differentiator from what, what people might otherwise find. A more transactionally oriented, profit-maximizing kind of organization, which should exist, and they have a good service, but, but we're really there to, to see that change happen. Yeah, that makes sense. And you guys are a nonprofit, so when people are, you know, I mean, again, people can go to a bank for a loan or traditional sources, um, whether they can get it or not, that's another matter, but... Coming back to you, uh, there's just an extra value-added relationship that you bring in to, um, you know, to, to not only helping with financing, but also helping to use the financing the right way. Connecting people to resources is a big part of what we do because the social capital that a business owner needs 
is as critical as the financial capital. Makes sense. So that, you know, that kind of dovetails into the, the actual main topic of this conversation today, which is about natural disasters and, and businesses recovering from disasters. And I have a bunch of questions to ask you about that and, and what business owners need to know. I had just written recently about Houston, which you know, obviously just went through a terrible hurricane and flooding and so many businesses were affected and so many people were affected. And now they're recovering. And now I'm, I'm reading there was a recent survey that came out by um, you know, a, a national bank that said that um, business owners in Houston, this survey was taken after the storm, are optimistic about next year because they're, you know, they're, there's clearly with all the bad things that happen in a, in a disaster, once people sort of get sorted out and you know, back on track, there's a lot of opportunity for businesses. What kind of experiences have you had with businesses that, that have kind of gone through or experienced a major storm and what their recovery process is? Is it quick? Is it, does it take a long time? Do you have any thoughts or stories to share? Absolutely. Well, you know, it, it really does depend on the impact or damage created by a particular disaster. So I think the only thing that's universal is that uh, they can be potentially dangerous, but how it actually manifests in a given region can vary. So our, our first Let's talk about natural disasters. In 2012, uh, in the New York area, we had Hurricane Sandy. Um, and this year, as, as you said, uh, we had Harvey, uh, Irma, which I'll talk about a little bit more because it directly affected not only the clients we serve, but even our own staff offices in Florida. Uh, and then, of course, Maria, that, that has pretty much devastated Puerto Rico. So what we know from these experiences is that the role that we can play at Acción is to be an economic first responder. And what that means is in the first 90 days from when a storm, and I mean something that, that knocks out activity. So, you know, you have storms and they can do some damage, you know, to property. But when you get to a point where you have critical services or infrastructure that get affected or even pause, that's when damage starts to kick in. We know that in the first 90 days, if we're able to go in, and help someone uh, stave off essentially shutting down. That's the best help that we can provide in the near term because once you do shut down, the statistics show in these storms, very few businesses kind of come back up. Hmm. Um, so it's a really critical period. Now, each storm is different. Clearly, uh, in Houston, there was flooding, but once sorted, uh, you still had population, you still had people. In, in the Sandy situation, you know, you had entire areas where um, people could no longer live. Uh, so you have relocation. I think that would be similar to Katrina. The recovery curve, I think, is going to vary depending on what happened on the people front. I think Irma, similarly, you know, it, it had an impact, but, you know, people are back. Maria, on the other hand, people can never leave, but it's so devastated that it, it'd be really hard for a business owner to do business if the people you're serving don't have a place to live and don't have sure. some kind of stability. So I think it does vary. But, but just to give you an example of what that economic responder can look like, and this is a program that when Irma hit, we uh, reached out to some partners and said, listen, uh, we know we have 90 days. Could you help us support to create an emergency relief program for Irma-affected uh, businesses? And we launched it on September 15. Um, we are now, we, we, we will be doing this, as I said, over a three-month period. And, and one of our first clients, um, they got served, and they were in the Keys, which I think if you read, got really impacted. It's called Coco's Boat Rental. Okay. And the owner, his name is Jason, uh, came down from Minnesota and did a lot of boating trips to Florida before deciding to keep the cold winters. And so 
created this uh, boat rental business. And I think things were going well until Irma hit and knocked uh, the keys. And when they got back, he noticed it didn't just affect his business, but all his customers. Mm. Uh, nobody was renting boats. People were asking how we're doing, but he estimated that just in the time that Irma came and left the Keys and through, I guess it was early September when we were there, so it's about a week, you know, in that month, he, he, he estimated that 40% of his business was lost hmm. uh, and twenty-five dollars to $30,000 worth of equipment. They had to do their own cleanup. They only had one employee, but even that employee couldn't come back because they had no home. So the, they recovered by helping accommodate that individual in their home uh, mm. to make things go, to work forward. Uh, and so he was in a situation where he needed money for pretty much everything <laughs> because the income had completely stopped. I mean, did, did, I he think, have, did he have insurance or anything? I mean, you know, if you're running a boating business down, you know, in the Keys, I mean, you know, you know, you're kind of, there is at risk of something like this disaster happening more so than if you're running a boating business in, I don't know, Minnesota in a lake, you know? Absolutely. <laughs> but, but here is now where timing plays a role. Insurances, even FEMA, all these resources are available, but the time it takes to mm. make those resources available can be long enough where the window for you to stay up and running and or be shut down could come and go. You know, I always and, won I always wondered that about businesses that when they're getting relief from FEMA or if they're even collecting insurance money, you're absolutely right. It's just I mean, come on, you're dealing with the government, right? So it, that can't happen overnight. And I wonder, sometimes I think like, geez, how do these businesses survive the period of, you know, between the disaster when they actually get, you know, funding from some of these organizations? And I guess you see that as well. And that's exactly why I said there's a short window. Right. Just to share some statistics, and these are coming from uh, a research foundation that, that, that looked at something like uh, 200,000 small business customers. The average business in the United States. So these are not the uh, Amazons, but the mom and pop. Mm -hmm. The average transaction volume that go into their bank statements is about $400 a day. Mm -hmm. And the average business in this country has only about 26 days of actual cash reserves. Right. So what happens is if, and then we'll talk about ways to mitigate, but when you're li living or dying on $400 a day, <laughs> where a disruption like that can literally put you in the negative, huge. it's huge. And so yeah. the, 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 the timing sensitivity of responding is, is key. When Sandy happened, to give you an example, it took a year for the federal government to approve funds. Mm. Um, so by that time, of course, businesses were either shuttered or they had the insurances and they were able to weather the storm. But we are talking about a situation in this country right now where the vulnerability is extremely high, cash volatility in this country, even to the person, extremely high. And so any little thing that disrupts the norm right. is going to teeter you into a risk of shutting down. And that's why I said we look at ourselves as economic first responders because if we don't inject some capital and it's not a lot of money, right. but it's a, it's a precious amount of money at the right time. So let me let me get back to the boating business then. So, you know, you guys were able to help them out. Um, first of all, I'm curious to know, how did they even find you, right? I mean, how do they know that, that you existed and you got connected to them? And then once you did get connected to them, what, what did you do to help them? The way we, you know, we don't market ourselves directly to consumers. Mm -hmm. Have that kind of budget, but we have always networked ourselves to different business partners. So first and foremost, our bank partners. A lot of people go to the banks and to the, for example, when the SBA sets up uh, a relief effort, 
uh, they work through the, what they call small business development centers. These mm-hmm. are federally funded centers that provide technical assistance, you know, business advice. So what happens is in these uh, centers, our people have connected with specific individuals in those areas so that they know who we are, they know what we do, and we let them know that we were lending capital for this kind of response. And when word got out, which, you know, these kind of uh, situations, any help is uh, communicated very quickly, uh, they w- we found them through those connections. So they would go to the local SBDC, for example, or local bank. They would be uh, talking about their needs, and someone would say, oh, yeah, you should talk to Action. So once Got you it. reach us, we work with you one-on-one, as we talked about earlier. And our turnaround time, uh, you know, average is about 12 days from the time you start to the time you finish. And in this program, because of the need, um, you know, it's even more accelerated. So in a matter of days, you get funded by Acción, and that's kind of the response that people need because until the insurances come, until the FEMA funds come, until all those other resources can really make their way, uh, you need to make it through that first critical period. But that's what we do. You know, if I was that business, I mean, it's kind of a risky business to finance, right? I mean, they just Mm -hmm. just lost like half their business in the storm. I'm sure banks aren't lining up to lend them money. What did you ask of them? Do they they have to provide collateral or was this a completely... Uncollateral, any personal guarantees? Like, what what can a business owner expect if they're gonna if they're gonna you know get that kind of financing from you? So basically, the the thing about us is that we were already designed to meet the needs, and I, as I said earlier, for people that were credit challenged, meaning we lend to people that have credit scores that the banks won't accept. Mm-hmm. We we lend to people that don't really have collateral because if they did, you know, oftentimes, well, what would they need the loan for? So in other we words, lend- you're crazy. <laughs> We've learned over 25 years how to manage that risk to a tolerable level. That's what we do. Got it. I said we like to start trick enterprise. We boldly lend where no bank will go, but <laughs> we, we know how to manage the risk. And so what we do look at, what we do look at is we have to look and understand that you have the ability to repay the loan. And that means that we look at your holistic business and personal picture because we also take a Hippocratic oath. We don't want to provide money if it's only going to indebt you. We want to provide money that we know that you can repay because we report to the credit bureau so that we can build your personal credit and we want to make sure that the far majority of the people that we serve are building positive credit history. So it's all about cash flow for us. Sure. And so in this case, while his business stopped, he would have been able to evidence that he had a business. He would have been able to evidence that with enough time, he could get back to a certain level. So we, we knew we had enough visibility on that kind of activity to be able to support him at, at a given level. And, and since some of this is equipment related, well, in, in effect, even though, well, we're not both salespeople, but there's something there that uh, could be considered collateral. How much you can liquidate, I don't know. But, but our intent is to essentially follow the business practice that we have now. So you had mentioned before about um, the Small Business Development Center, and that's how you got connected. SBDCs are great, and uh, they are usually connected to universities all around the country, and they do provide a lot of resources to business owners. So if I'm a business owner and I'm in an area that's been affected by some natural disaster, an earthquake or a you know hurricane or whatnot, I mean, certainly a Small Business Development Center might be the first. I need help. So I could turn to them. Any other resources that you would come to mind that you would recommend to me if I was, yes. you know, where, where would I turn to? I, I think there are a couple of things. And, and now because going places is hard, there's some sites that I think 
can localize all the resources. So one is uh, disasterassistance.gov because what that does is you enter the information for your specific location and disasterassistance.gov tries to marshal all the resources for your specific geography. And I think that's what's important. You know, we don't want to generalize. We want to be really, really customized to where you are. So that's one. The other, of course, is that the one time that the SBA actually directly lends is in disasters. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, they pretty much stand behind the banks or organizations that do the lending, you know, using their guarantee. But the one time they actually have to marshal resources, do the direct decisioning, is when they have a disaster. So I would recommend sba.gov. And right now, you can look forward slash funding dash program forward slash disaster assistance. And that summarizes by storm. So you have resources for Harvey and the counties that are eligible. You have resources for Irma and you have the resources for Maria. And that's, I think, a useful site. And then for not necessarily resources, but for preparing for the inevitable next one, there's, a, I think, a nifty little site uh, called ready.gov, R-E-A-D-Y.gov. And we'll what put that, that in the show notes. It educates people on how to prepare for and respond to emergencies. What do you do when you hear there's a hurricane watch? Right. What do you do 24 hours? How can you prepare um, just personally, right, your physical safety, sure. which I think is, is critical. So I would say those three sites should give more than enough to begin um, and then from that, you know, visiting the centers is great. But I, I think as much as you can find, if you have power right. online, those three are probably the most uh, comprehensive and simple enough to get to. So you were mentioning about some of the sites like ready.gov and uh, that, that would actually you know, help you prepare and ask you those questions. So I'm going to kind of turn it back on you, Paul. You know, I mean, yeah. there's people listening to this podcast, you know, anywhere you operate a business, you're prone to some type of natural disaster, whether it's earthquake or hurricane or tornado or, you know, there's, there's all, we're all have that risk. So give me some advice. Like, you know, I run a 10 person company. What should I be doing to prepare my business for a potential disaster? What would you do if you're in my shoes? I think the first point is what you just highlighted. We need to expect the unexpected. And to do that, and given how hand-to-mouth all businesses really are, that means you need to build a reserve. And there's probably two ways to do that. You either save, if you only have 26 days reserve on average, and these storms can take a while to recover, how can you grow so that you either have in cash savings for three months, or if you want, you need the cash for the day-to-day, it's in the sunny days that you should get some form of line of credit, hmm. some kind of credit. Don't, you don't want to be looking for capital after a storm. You want to be looking for capital now. And I would say size that line of credit equal to, you know, three months of operations. What do you need for three months of operations? And that's one way that even if you never use that line of credit, that is instant liquidity at a time when everybody else will be applying, you could be ready to continue paying your rent or any other uh, near-term needs because you have the availability already set. So that, that would be the second thing I would say. Now, obviously, I think one of the things that comes to light is to mitigate really costly downsides. So this is beyond that emergency period. Insurance. There, right. there are, I was hoping you'd say that, Paul. <laughs> this is so For God's sake, we're sitting here in a building. Of a, there's a huge insurance company. so People become more educated. You know, I think everyone's talked about the flood insurance and the government behind that. But you have business interruption insurance. Yes. 
clearly you have property. I mean, those boats should have some kind of insurance on them that in time you'd be able to recover. And there are others. And I think being able to speak to a broker about all the right coverages that can help recoup the, 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 the physical assets as well as the lost business, those are really, really critical. But you need that line of credit or savings in that interim so that you can bridge from where you are at today, you know, day one of the disaster until those 90 days when those insurance proceeds can come in so that you can mitigate and minimize that kind of interruption. Makes sense. The other practical things, you know, I, I, I think, you know, we should learn from really devastating situations. So, you know, one of the things that we took a look at is for Hurricane Maria, the, the FEMA has kind of a progress report on the key signs of recovery. And what was interesting to me was what they considered kind of mission critical. And I just want to articulate them to the listeners because there could be practical ways to mitigate each of these. So number one was cell service. Day one after Maria, only 5% of the island had communication. What does that tell you as a business owner? Maybe it's worth getting a, a shorthand radio or a walkie-talkie. doesn't cost a lot of money. For $100, you'd be able to communicate with your staff, your team. You'd be able to do something when even the big carriers are down. Mm-hmm. Potable water, you know, only 44% uh, at the time of the hurricane had it. So water is obviously something that if you're a local business, you know, you could do. But I think more practically... That line of credit is important because ATM shut down. Mm-hmm. So there, there were only 114 in the entire island that operated. So even if you have the cash, you can't get to it, and no one's really keeping the safe of their business. So that line of credit, I think, is really critical so that you can avoid the runs of the ATMs that aren't working anyway. Interestingly, generators. You know, all this works if you have electricity. I think a few thousand dollars to invest in a generator that can, even if it doesn't help you save your inventory, you can work your computer to look at the resources. You can communicate. That could be a cost-effective investment in a situation when an entire grid goes down. You at least have the need for some period of time to uh, communicate because uh, without electricity, you know, you really are back to the dark ages. And then uh, gas stations. Only 40% were even operating. So having some gas for that generator, very practical thing, doesn't cost a lot would be worth the investment because when these things strike, uh, and if it strikes to the same degree as it happened there, or uh, I guess it was Katrina before that, you have the means in that first week or two to navigate, to reach reach out, to leverage uh, resources, to communicate, uh, and I think it can help you at least minimize the pain that that uh, storm is going to create. That's great. And, and you know, if worse comes to worse, you can always just borrow some money from Elizabeth. Yes, right? <laughs> she seems to have ready cash. Paul, this is, this is great stuff. So just some takeaways that I learned from this. I mean, you know, you, obviously a natural disaster can, can, you know, affect anybody. So we all have to be prepared for that. And as far as being prepared, uh, we want to know where to go, what our resources are. You've given up some good websites, Small Business Development Centers, SBA, uh, ready.gov good place to go to, to go through some checklists to prepare yourself. Um, and I think the best preparation that you can do is to make sure that you're really flush with your own resources. In other words, save, put money away, um, have some cash in the bank, have available line of credit, have necessary equipment that's used like a generator for, you know, when I, when a disaster occurs. So you got to be thinking ahead. And, and the biggest issue, this whole conversation comes down to it's not just you as the business owner who's who's saving your business, but you have all these people that rely on you for their livelihoods, you know, your employees and, 
even your own customers, suppliers and vendors, you know, if, you know, they're expecting that you're looking ahead and thinking of these things um, because they they're going to be leaning on you pretty heavily if a disaster comes. So it's a really, really important topic. So, Paul, thank you very much. Paul Quintero, uh, CEO of Axion uh, and Axion, again, huge fan of the company. And um, if you're out there looking for financing, this is not just a traditional bank. This is a nonprofit that provides financing and then also Training. helps you spend the money the right yeah. way, really. Tons of resources. Right. So a great organization. And um, Paul, we really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. All right. That's going to wrap it up for another episode of the Small Biz Ahead podcast. We want to thank Paul Quintero for being our guest. And we'll talk to you in a couple days. Thanks for joining Elizabeth and Jean for another edition of the Small Biz Ahead podcast. For the latest on small business trends straight from the small business experts, visit the Hartford Small Biz Ahead. We've got articles, how-tos, and videos to help you run your business more efficiently. Check us out at smallbizahead.com. 